there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. No pills gonna kill my head. I got a bad case of loving you. The doctor is in. I am joined once again here, as we do every Monday, very special, special time uh, of the week. I look forward to it all the time here with Dr. Rashid Batar. We cover the the, uh, Advanced Medicine Monday topic with the Medical Rewind. And Dr. Batar is a a health care provider of extraordinary ability, and he happens to be a physician as well. But he's taken on things, you know, when we talk about big pharma and big government, even big media, and that's why he's a hero of mine and a friend of mine and why uh, uh, the things we do together here are so extraordinary, and I love it, and I'm welcoming you back as I do every week. I know it's kind of silly to say that because we do this every week, but ah, I can't help it. I'd love to have you on board. Well, Robert, I'm... Very, very pleased and honored that I have the opportunity to be with you every Monday and hopefully uh, make a difference in some people's lives. Yeah, definitely. The feedback's been terrific, and what we're covering each week is is unique and different. And uh, we, we covered some things last hour about uh, Parkinson's and neurological things, uh, issues during pregnancy, preparing to get pregnant, healthy children, and even medical ethics and, and the fact that there's so much conflict within the medical field. Now, this segment, I'd like to uh, go into some of the questions I've received from our segments of, in the past, wanting to go further with some of these things. Oftentimes, people have very specific questions. So if you're game with me, we'll jump right into one I got from uh, one of my Facebook friends that was listening in, was asking this. Says, Hi, Robert. My brother recently began dating a girl who supposedly has MRSA, MRSA, the superbug, or whatever the heck it is. You hear this, this language. She has kid, ki- three kids who also seem to show signs of having it. From what I've researched, it's highly contagious and difficult or impossible to cure. Of course, depending on the doctor you see, they might say that. Um, but, yeah, the concern is, of course, where do we get reliable information on how to, as he calls, cure it? As we know, reversing these things like any infection, uh, there are similar patterns at play. But we got to acknowledge modern medicine's role in creating these so-called super strains or, or uh, super bugs, as they're called in the media. Well, you know, the thing is that if we weren't using so many antibiotics so indiscriminately, we'd never have this problem. And for the, for the person who asked this question, MRSA stands for methyl-resistant Staph aureus. Staph aureus is uh, actually a very common bacteria that's found, but methyl resistant basically makes it, uh, it renders it uh, immune to the classical antibiotic uh, route of fighting the way the, the yeah sta- standard medicine of course throws uh, you know the the so-called napalm into the body to kill and and somewhat indiscriminately but we know there were advances there that did help but they if we think about the time of, of penicillin's uh, patenting by the u.s government and then the abandoning of all things holistic including silver and things we we have to look at other ways to to manage these infections because otherwise if we continue to do the same thing are we going to create even more strange mutations of these bugs with even less ability to handle Handle them, as opposed to going back to the way that we could utilize the things of the natural world to counteract any microbe, whether that it be resistant to an antibiotic or not. That's absolutely right. I mean, anytime you use something indiscriminately, you're going to promote resistance, and that's exactly what's happened. So, in your, I know you've had issues where patients are coming in with staph and perhaps MRSA as well. Have you found? Uh, found clinically some things that you have as go-to remedies that really will work when all else fails? 
Well, um, actually, we haven't had people that have come to us for that problem. We come to we have people that come to us with major issues, and whether MRSA is an issue or not has never been uh, directly identified. But you know, if I ever am concerned about that, I mean, we use ozone autohemotherapy, so it pretty much is not an issue for us because. As you know, it'll take care of everything. So, so yeah, but for the for the, the the listening audience that may not be as familiar with an ozone therapy, are we talking about super oxygenating a system? And of course, the microbes do not like an oxygenated environment. Or are there other mechanisms at action here? Yes. Well, there's a number of different types of um, uh, oxidative therapies out there. There's UVBI, which is ultraviolet blood radiation. There's uh, ozone autohemotherapy, where you pull out blood and then you ozonate the blood and put it back in the patient. And then there's hydrogen peroxide intravenously. There's many different types of oxidative therapies, but those are the three major classical routes. And then there are people that take these in various ways, which I am not a proponent of, and I really don't know much about it. I just know the medical application of it, which is all done intravenously. So um, that obviously can't be done at home, but for our purposes, the way we do it, it's it's very simple, and the mechanism, uh, let's just use, the, each one has a different mechanism, but if we use ozone autohemotherapy, which is my choice, uh, when I have a patient that I need to use that with, essentially what happens is that uh, certain things, uh, bacteria, viruses, um, fungi that are resistant, or, or actually any bacteria, any virus, um, they even mutated cell lines, anything that's, uh, anything that's abnormal in the body, uh, they have the uh, problem where they cannot release catalase and peroxidase. Catalase and peroxidase are characteristically present in healthy cells. So during an oxidative stressful uh, encounter, the, the cell, the healthy cell will release catalase and peroxidase in order to compensate for that oxidative burst. Think of it as a tunnel of fire. This tunnel of fire comes in and it basically uh, will kill anything in its past. But the right. healthy cells are like the firemen with the fire retardant blankets. They can pull them over themselves. They can protect the themselves. Exactly. The yeah. wall of fire goes through and they're totally, rent, they're, they're, yeah. they're to there's no harm to them at all. But the bacteria, the virus, the spirochetes, the mm -hmm. uh, abnormal mutated cell lines, anything will just get annihilated because they can't compensate and release this catalase and peroxidase. So that's the mechanism for action. Right. But there's different mechanisms for different types of oxidative therapies. Yeah, and, and you know, it's similar to the way that silver will interact in the body. Of course, we both have utilized silver hydrosol in our practices in different forms of silver. And silver has a similar impact uh, against the microbial world, but doesn't harm the uh, higher life forms or the healthy mammalian cells because of that same protective mechanism that is present. Uh, in regards to what I've seen with Staphylococcus aureus and methicillin-resistant Staphylococcus aureus, uh, I found that they're both susceptible to the active state of silver. You just need to bring it to the point of foci or the place in question. Oftentimes with Staph, you'll see uh, you know, a, a head build, a pussy discharge on, this, on the surface of the skin. The most indicated homeopathic medicine in my practice is, in this case, Heper Sulfur Calcarea, H-E-P-A-R Sulfur Calcarea. Also, I've used the Allison Stabilized Garlic in these situations with good success as well. Have you seen any uh, impact or benefit for any of those things in your practice as well? I am not well-versed nearly as you are with homeopathics. Um, so I would, if I ever had a question on that, you'd be the person I'd call anyway, Robert. So... Um, as far as uh, silver hydrosol, I mean, silver pretty much in any form, I have found that to be effective. But mm -hmm. uh, I, you, I you use uh, silver hydrosol, as you know, and I use a different version. I use a couple of different forms of uh, silver, but from a 
from an over-the-counter perspective, acetylhydrosol is my preferred method, and it's very, very effective. Yeah, and it also can carry a lot of oxygen with it, so it only enhances that issue of bringing oxygen into the environment and helping the white blood cells, the B lymphocytes, and their production of reactive oxygen species. I know we're getting a little technical here, but it's fun to be an egghead for a little bit while we do the medical rewind here uh, with Dr. Rashid Bittar. Um, there are some other questions here, and you know, it was great we were able to go into some pathways as well. Uh, one of the questions Alicia, Alicia asked... It happens to be with liver detox, and of course, that's another passion of yours and mine. Many people in America are first uh, learning of the liver detox uh, by seeing milk thistle everywhere you can go, even into Walmart, you can find milk thistle, and we know there's benefit to it. Uh, what is your perspective on that botanical or other combination botanicals or other things that you've seen uh, that will enhance liver detox when you send your patients home to continue their cleanse? Well, milk thistle, also known as silmarian, is highly effective for upregulating the liver. Um, I don't know whether it's specific to phase one or phase two or both, but regardless, very effective. Uh, part of my protocols that I've developed for the oral detoxification protocols for GI and for the liver, our hepatic one and two protocols have silmarian in there, milk thistle in there. Um, I think that from a commonality standpoint, it's probably the most most well-recognized uh, herbal that will help to facilitate liver function. And I don't know whether you agree with that, Robert, but uh, that's what I find in my experience. Well, very comprehensive from a you know, Western perspective as an herb. It is, it is very comprehensive and, and very easy for people to utilize, uh, not too concerning from the standpoint of, of overdosing either. Uh, and you know, there are botanicals coming out of uh, the Asia region and India region that have worked very well because they understand, if we go back to Chinese medicine, uh, Ayurvedic medicine, it's very common to understand that the liver is everything, the key to everything. And so it's very much part of the culture and their medicinal culture to understand, rather than in the West where we do everything to intoxicate and poison the liver, and if you have cirrhosis or hepatitis, we might identify it, but in terms of liver congestion or pathways that are not working well, they tend not to acknowledge it or recognize it until it becomes a very serious crisis, whereas we say in the Eastern traditions, the liver is very much part of everything that is uh, considered um, the starting point, in fact. Without a doubt. I mean... The four, major, the four major organs of detoxification, liver, kidneys, skin, and GI. And uh, I think that we, in, in traditional medicine, those organs are just classified as any other organ. Um, and, of course, every organ is important. But mm-hmm. when you impair the organ of detoxification, just think of what happens to your car when there's no oil filter and the oil filter is jammed. You know, nothing's going to work right. And that's what the liver and the kidneys are doing. But specifically, the liver is like the oil filter of the body. And it's trying to keep everything clean. It's already got a tough enough job it is, as it is because of all the garbage we as humans put into ourselves. Exactly, our yes. And, and some of these things, even when you're living your life as clean as you, you know, and some people have lived their lives very clean, you're not, you're not controlling what you're inhaling. You're not c- controlling the combustion of fossil fuels uh, or the uh, persistent organic pollutant vapors, like when you're pumping gasoline or whatever, all these things, all these petrochemicals and all these um, organophosphates and fluorine and hydrocarbons, you're inhaling them in, and the liver has to really work hard to get rid of those things. And, and the problem is that even our detoxification methodologies that we use, they're very difficult. The reason they're very difficult to uh, take out the persistent organic pollutants, that's why they call them persistent organic pollutants, because they tend to persist in the body. Uh, and one of my preferences... And the reason that I use uh, ozonated, uh, where I use um, ozone autohemotherapy, 
is because those persistent organic pollutants be, are broken down and they're no longer persistent, so the body can't excrete them. The other way to do this, uh, another way that I use in conjunction with our ozonated, uh, I keep on saying ozone, with our ozone hemotherapy, excuse me, yes. is uh, infrared saunas. Oh, I, you know, I was just covering that uh, yesterday on the show, in fact, and I'm glad you brought that up because it's another viable means by which people can start reducing some of the burden on the liver and kidneys by bringing it out of the limb through the sweat glands and out. And, uh, and I've seen tests uh, conducted where they've actually shown an enhancement of, of liver and kidney excretion when on or utilizing regular the uh, uh, far infrared heat therapy. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's actually one of the one of the best ways of uh, getting rid of the persistent organic pollutants. Yeah, and persistent is yeah the key. Not only that, it, it's it's re it reintroduced all the time in the environment. Even if we do everything we know possibly to clean up our act, there's a lot of things as you said we can't account for. So I think what we need to do is is really go into some other uh, areas here of how we can promote good detoxification. Another aspect that's key and, and very key to to you know the, the the nine the nine key the nine keys and steps to keep the doctor away as you've written so eloquently about in your book. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, we they. Each one of these steps is actually designed to, one, reduce the amount of toxicity in the body to reduce the load that our bodies have to get rid of, and then, two, to optimize the system in order to allow it to function uh, in a way that is optimal. Hey, it's the Advanced Medicine Monday. It's the Medical Rewind with Dr. Rashid Batar here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. We've got lots more healing to do, and we are going to do it after this. Your questions included. A little bit more on the detox protocols and pathways because there's not enough we can do in the little time we have, and we'll keep it going here. Batar, we were talking about uh, the liver detox based on a great question coming in through Facebook, and I appreciate everybody sending their inf- their uh, questions, uh, emails, Twitter, Twitters, tweets, all that fun stuff. It's hard to keep up with it all, but picking out some of the best ones so we can cover with Dr. Batar and and go places that uh, we don't normally go, and it's a great it's great to have them on board. And Dr. Batar, you're only here with me once a week. It's not enough, but we do whatever we can, and you have ways that people can learn more about you. I always encourage people to get your books, and there's lots of videos and things, but let everybody know where they can learn more. Well, there, there are a number of different sites that are uh, available to people for resources, but we've got them all uh, in one location, so people can pick and choose whatever information they need, and that would be at medicalrewind.com. MedicalRewind.com, we have that linked up as well, and uh, lots of good new things coming, a lot of innovation that's happening. We're literally altering the media for the better by not waiting around for them to figure it out. They're going to be coming back and going, how do we do that? <laughs> and we'll say, well, maybe maybe you should have been paying attention, but here we are. We're going to do it. Let's take it more into the liver. There are other things that you know very well about restoring integrity to function. And one of those factors that you talk about are deficiencies, deficiency diseases. When the gut is disrupted due to childhood vaccination, antibiotics, residues coming in from chemical farming, pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, you now have, we got colorings, additives, preservatives, flavorings, all these synthetics harming the integrity of the cells themselves, especially in the, in the youngest among us and children. Uh, it's overwhelming. And then you see the, the subsequent depletion of things like selenium and other trace elements that are fully necessary for the production of things like glutathione, for cellular cleansing, for liver cleansing. Do you utilize any of these supplements in regards to restoring the nutritional integrity of your patients? Absolutely. I use all these things. Um, Fortunately, I do have the ability, the access uh, to give some of these things parenterally other than mouth because sometimes the problem is when you're taking things through the mouth, 
um, the, 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 it's not, either not absorbed as well because of the vacillating gut function that we have in our society, in the Western society. Uh, glutathione is a perfect example of something that is so important. Glutathione is a, uh, probably the most abundant antioxidant within, the, within every cell of the body. It's uh, primarily found in the hepatocytes, but it is present in every cell and uh, very vital for detoxification. It's a natural antibiotic. It's an antioxidant. It's uh, phenomenal in what it does. Uh, unfortunately, when you take glutathione orally, it's not as well absorbed. It's just not utilized. Um, so people will take the precursors, N-acetyl, L-cysteine. Uh, glutathione is primarily three amino acids, uh, cysteine, glycine, and glutamic acid. And together, these three amino acids form um, glutathione. And without glutathione, we wouldn't be alive. Uh, our bodies wouldn't be able to do what they do by as far as the antioxidant protection and the, and the liver detoxification, the right. well function, if you will. So we give that intravenously, but um, I, I don't know whether this is available rectally or not. Robert, I don't know. Maybe you can. Yeah, there are some forms, and and I've I've heard some advancements. I haven't investigated much of of some lipospheric uh, forms of the. Um, uh, glutathione that survive the gastrointestinal tract a little better, so there may be some innovations there. Not everybody has access to you know the the more urgent needs when there are, like you said, you have the ability to bring it into the body in extreme circumstances where their gut doesn't allow for this absorption. And uh, you know if there were more docs doing that, we'd see a lot more healing as opposed to more intoxication of the liver. And, and that's the sad thing. Again, we talked earlier today about the, I guess, the depression within the medical field due to, you know, the fact that a lot of what they're taught to do is harm people. I mean, I don't, we, we don't say they go into it with that thought at all, but when they find out that they are, there's this disconnect and, and, and whether it be unconscious, it, it brings a state of depression over the dock. Uh, and what you're doing is I've witnessed it, it livening up the medical place. I mean, like I said, when I was in your, your clinic, I just, shiny happy people it was great to see i mean dealing with a lot of disease and illness was very serious yet there was a different kind of atmosphere there that i think is much more conducive to healing including what you're talking about replenishing the body giving it what it needs but there was more it was more the emotional and even the spiritual component to healing that was there well we i appreciate you bringing that up robert we were uh, talking about this actually last week i was talking to a patient of mine a patient who uh, had a diagnosed with stage 4 cancer and um, with the grace of God is doing wonderfully well, no trace in his body anymore and he was calling me for a follow up and we were talking about um, this very topic uh, at the at the office he, he mentioned that one of my newer nursing staff members, he said you know how, how great she was, how positive she was and how fantastic all the staff is at the clinic and uh, I told him I said you know I've had um, 11 employees either 10 or 11, I can't remember exactly, employees that have actually left my clinic, you know, after working for six months, a year, two years, whatever, and then have left and then have gone to a hospital, to another clinic that have come back huh. asking for their original jobs back. And, and you know, I'd like to think it was because of me, I'm such a great employer, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, the real reason <laughs> was because they said that they actually saw people getting better in the clinic. And it was just such a good feeling to be a part of something where people are getting better as opposed to seeing people coming in and you know perpetuating the 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 sickness and uh, just being placating the the problem and uh, not really making any change in, in the person just continuing downhill spiraling downhill so it was good to hear that but uh, you know the the old adage is if you're not part of the uh, solution by 
by definition, you're part of the problem. So um, we like to define the solutions and, and go after that rather than just perpetuate the problem. Yeah, and, and healing is is everything, and even it is being in a workplace environment that is conducive for you know happiness. It isn't that you're providing everything for everybody, but finding a place where somebody can shine and, and, and really impact positively on somebody else's life. And so much as as we know that is wrong about the medical profession is looking at people as if they are robots and body parts and disavowing the knowledge that you know the simple act of smiling and and and, and you know supporting in a positive manner can affect healing uh, you know much more powerfully than any drug could ever you're absolutely correct I, I couldn't couldn't agree with you more yeah the uh, there was actually some studies that just came out I think it was going to upset the so-called quackbuster magicians where they they found that uh, they were doing some tests with pain-killing drugs and when they were working with positive expectations it worked quite well and when they uh, lowered expectations of the drug working the drug didn't work and it showed you that the power of the mind even over toxic substances like drugs it was more power there was no match the drugs were no match for the mind oh it's uh this is a very very common uh known thing among residents when i was in general surgery residency you know and we'd have people that would come into the emergency room um, that were that were um, shot or knifed or whatever, and they were drug addicts, and they would come in and you know we 're taking care of them post operatively or whatever the case was. these people would need their fix, and you know we we're they post um, trauma patients and they needed their drugs or, and some of these people you know had legitimate pain, but obviously they were also drug addicts, and we would often often you know, doc you mean, can I, I just need another hit doc you, know, you got to take care of me this is you know, so painful you don 't understand. So I tell them, okay, look, I've got some stuff. I'm going to give it to you. It's something new. Just came out. It's very, very potent. You know, don't tell my attending that I'm going to give you some of this stuff <laughs> because I'm going to get in deep crap. You know, oh, you my gosh, yes. And the nursing staff would come up and say, Dr. Char, are you sure you really want to give this? And I was like, just a little bit just to take the edge off, you know. This, the, and, and we'd give them, you know, five cc, six cc's of normal saline, but we would make it out to be that this was just the most unbelievable stuff. You know, maybe put a little bit of uh, magnesium sulfate or something in there. To, it, it was unbelievable. These people would sit there and go, oh, my God, I can feel it. Oh, it's hit me. You know, and just a little bit of mag sulfate in there. All it's going to do is relax their, their vascular system. The pressure is going to come down a bit. It's not mm-hmm. going to do anything else except give them a little bit of therapeutic benefit from the magnesium. But it's not going to do anything for pain. And these people would feel like they just got something like Sufenta or something, something you know, powerful, like a thousand times more potent than heroin or something. Yeah. And, that the placebo effect would affect them so deeply. So anybody who says that, you know, these, the, 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 the power of the mind, whenever people say to me, how do you know this isn't placebo for whatever kind of treatment I'm <laughs> yes. my response is, who cares? Who cares? I love exactly right. I mean, it's getting better. You know, and, and that's my perspective, too. Even in homeopathy, Dr. Batar, there's a schism between those that are, are have a religious dogma about using one single remedy at a time versus those who have, you know, work with multiple remedies and combinations and complex ways that work on many systems at the same time. And they would be very upset by that. And my perspective is I'm very practical about this. Like you, I say, look, if one remedy heals you or if 100 heals you, I don't care as long as the patient gets better. Isn't that what we're here for? And they get very upset because they want it to be this way, not that way. It's like, why do you want to control it? I mean, healing is so much more than any mental construct anyway. Well, you're absolutely right. That's the whole problem, that when you take ego out of it and you, your goal is just to help the person get better. I mean, I have a tremendous ego. When, you know that, Robert. I mean, <laughs> But when it comes to my patients, I have zero ego. Whatever it takes to get them better, I don't care what it is. If somebody else can help them better than I can, I'm going to send them there because – I want to get them better. I, that that 
by doing that, it's it's uh, to me it's like um, uh, you know if I was a baseball player, it would be like hitting a home run or hitting a, a ground a base run. You want to the object of the game is to hit a base run and get in home so you score a point. Well, if we can't do that, if we sort of test our egos that we don't want to hit those base runs or get the home runs, what's the point of playing the game? Yeah, very good point. And and like I said, you you put the you park the ego outside when it comes to doing the right thing by the people that are coming to seek out your help and counsel in whatever way. And and, and you know, you could be a doctor, you don't have to be a doctor, but again, oftentimes those things that get in the way are the things that uh unfortunately, uh, you know, are short are short-lived in their service to others or they're not serving others at all. And you know, in the last minute or so we have together today for the medical rewind, Dr. Batar, you know, I've recognized that many people are waking up realizing that they've been trapped in somebody's somebody else's state of consciousness. In other words, somebody put a veil of illusion over them and they're waking up going, "Gee, I believed all these things suddenly I'm seeing the world differently." And it's like a on one sense it's a scary place, in the other sense it's an exciting place. How do you see these changes coming about? I mean, watching this on a global scale, how are you feeling about all these transformations? Well, I would say very simply on page 12 of my book, I've got a quote, and I think that, that this will wrap it up really well because uh, the quote I think is very apropos here by David uh, Camerchen, who's a professor of economics at the University of Georgia. And the quote is, for those who understand, no explanation is needed. For those who don't understand, no explanation is possible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, you're, you're living a life that's uh, helping so many others uh, by example, and I'm greatly appreciative of your, of your friendship and your willingness to be uh, a very important part of the Robert Scott Bell Show here as we stream out to the world through naturalnews.com and many other opportunities are opening up to bring this message of healing to so many that are truly in need, Dr. Vitar. And I want to urge all of my listeners to go to medicalrewind.com, learn a lot more. We look forward to our time together on Advanced Medicine Mondays, the Medical Rewind. Dr. Vitar, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you as always, Robert. Yes, Dr. Vitar helps us rock the health world every week. So grateful for the opportunity. Say thanks for me. Go over there, visit the site. Get the book, The Nine Steps uh, to Keep the Doctor Away. It's, tra- it's, a, it's a really powerful testimony to what you can do, and it's not out of your reach. It's actually accessible.